What does it actually mean to be a bad bitch? I'm your host, Valerie Martin, and if you're asking me, it means being fully alive, unstoppable, kicking ass at the things that light you up, and being permanently unavailable for the things that make you feel like shit. Whether you're a boss bitch business owner or just someone who goes hard on your personal and professional growth, buckle the fuck up and get ready to be inspired, challenged, and take action. Let's do this, boo. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of Bad Bitch Therapist Podcast. And on today's episode, you get two bad bitch therapists. (laughs) The guests on this podcast are, of course, not always other therapists, but sometimes they will be because, you know, I just run in a lot of therapist circles. And this particular woman, Katie Reed, is amazing because she helps therapists like me do things like this and outgrow our therapy offices, which doesn't mean that we stop doing therapy necessarily, but it means that we get to expand our impact and live into more of our potential, which is what I'm doing as part of her program right now. So before we get more into Katie, I will share with you what I've been reading, watching, and loving recently. So I'm recording this intro less than a week after the last one, which means that I'm still reading the same book, A Not-So-Meet-Cute by Megan Quinn, but an article that I have absolutely loved recently is one from The Atlantic. It's called Why Rewatching Titanic is Different Now, because if you don't know, I may have mentioned it on another episode, Titanic is doing its 25th anniversary re-release in theaters. It's in 3D because, you know, who knew we needed that, but it is still my favorite movie and actually not until this these rewatches cuz I went twice in the theater did I really like solidify okay it's not just my 12-year-old self who went many more times than two in the theaters who loves this movie it is my 37-year-old self <laughs> so This article I just thought did a wonderful job of depicting the good, the bad, and the ugly about the film Titanic and what it's become in the ensuing 25 years. Watching, I recently watched 40-year-old version. Yes, you heard that right. Not the Steve Carell. Steve Carell, why does that sound wrong? Anyway, y'all know what I'm talking about. 40-year-old virgin, but 40-year-old version, which is a film written, directed by, and starring Rada Blank, who is a comedian, playwright, actress, rapper, and I was not really familiar with her work, and I thought it was phenomenal. It's a story about a an out-of-work playwright, so kind of autobiographical but fictionalized, and it was excellent. Strongly, strongly recommend watching it. And then Loving... On our trip back from St. Louis area where we visited my folks, some of my folks, and we watched that movie, we got to go to this restaurant in Paducah, Kentucky, which is kind of a halfway point, and we're vegan, my husband and I, and we're also big foodies, so when we can find excellent vegan restaurants, it's like, oh my gosh, a gem of traveling, and so there was this place in Paducah, Kentucky, of all places, called Branch Out Foods freaking phenomenal, literally one of the best vegan restaurants I've ever been to, which means one of the best restaurants I've ever been to. So, so good. If you ever find yourself traveling like between Nashville and St. Louis or any other time when you're off that area of, is it I-24? I can't even remember. I think so. But 
phenomenal food. You can find them at branchoutfoods.com and on Instagram at branchoutfoods. All right, let me tell you a little bit more about our guest, Katie Reed. So one more thing I'll say is that even though she is talking mostly to therapists in her work in general and in this conversation, a lot of what we talk about does translate beyond just therapists, translates to anyone wanting to build anything, and also some of the things that are more directed toward therapists you also might just find interesting if you're a non-therapist, kind of a little peek into our world and our own issues. <laughs> Katie takes lessons from nearly 20 successful years in the field to help clinicians grow and outgrow their practices. Immediately upon licensure as an LMFT, Katie was made director of a large transitional-aged youth program in Oakland, California. Later, she was recruited to direct one of Sacramento's largest wraparound programs and then moved into the role of director of clinical supervision, supervising 40-plus interns toward their licensure. Meanwhile, she's had private practices in multiple cities, taught graduate psychology students, and wrote and created therapist training materials. Nowadays, she is the creator of the Clinician to Coach Academy, the Clinic Coach Certification, and the Six Figure Flagship Program. Katie helps other helping professionals step into their biggest lives so they can serve in their biggest ways. And you can find her online at katiereed.com, K-A-T-I-E-R-E-A-D.com slash free, where you can get her freebies. And you can find her on socials at heykatiereed. All right, enjoy this conversation with Katie Reed. Katie Reed, I am so excited to talk with you today. I'm so excited to be here. This is awesome. Yeah. So you just mentioned before we press record that you are heading out of town tomorrow and managing the chaos of all of that <laughs> before <Yes>. trip energy. <laughs> Where right. are you I am actually headed to Miami. I am going to a conference that is not directly a work conference, but is sort of related, I think, to what we're going to talk about today. I am trying to make a habit of putting myself in space with people who are doing things that I would love to be doing at much bigger and much better levels than where I'm at right now. And so I'm going to a conference of a person who owns a $50 million business. They have incredible production values when they put on conferences. And the truth is between you and I, I have no interest in ever owning a $50 million business. But <laughs> I love seeing women achieving at that level. It mm. inspires the heck out of me. I love it. And I find when I just get in a room with that energy, suddenly the ideas are flowing and suddenly I'm like, oh, I could do this. I could do that. And I'm like excited about life and work and all the things all over again. And I know it's partly what we're going to talk about today. I didn't used to feel that way. I used to be like, oh, I could never go on a trip. Oh, I couldn't pay for a plane ticket, you know, and yet allowing myself to do these things has completely changed my life. And yeah. it's amazing how quickly you grow when you get around people doing big, incredible things. And so I look at myself and I'm like, I want to improve as a speaker. Let's go see some amazing speakers on stage. You know, I want to learn how to do world-class events. Let's go to a world-class event. Let's see how it's hosted. And when you give yourself the gift of doing that, which let's be honest, for a lot of us therapists, the thought of investing, you know, $1,000, $1,500, getting on a plane, renting a hotel room, like paying for the meal, that's a lot, you know, mm -hmm. or more even for some of these events, it could be 3000 5000 The thought of investing that is scary. And yet I find over and over the return on investment when you just let yourself step into that energy is amazing. 
amazing. Highly encourage it. If anyone out there is thinking about going to an event, find an event with someone doing what you want to do at the level you want to be doing at and go study how they do it. Amazing. And if it's in person, all the better. I mean, so much better. Our online things, trainings, events, like we need them because none of us yeah. could afford to travel right. to all these pe- amazing people all the time. <laughs> right, right. But- like getting in person, I so agree because you just never know who you might cross paths with. Yeah. And one of the things you said there, it's like, like, okay, that's a bad bitch reframe really, because I know that in the past I, and I'm sure many people have said this to themselves, not only the money thing of like, oh, I shouldn't spend money on that. Or I don't, right. I can't make that work. I don't need um, it. Right. Yes. But also like, I don't belong there. Like they're like 18 levels above me. Like that's so far out of my league. What do I, they're just going to like, look at me like the new kid in the corner and just like, that feels awful. Right. So rather than that, it's like, no, that's, I'm going to put myself in the energy of the people that I want to become. It's okay that I'm not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's actually funny. I learned something interesting. The last time I went to an event like this, there was a woman that I knew from online who was an ads manager and she had gotten up and like gotten her question answered, gotten like live coaching from the main speaker at this event. And later she actually put out a blog post and I had never thought about it this way before. She said, I always get my question answered at every event. And she said, here's why. She's like, I sit by the microphone. The minute they say people can run up with questions, I run to the microphone. And she said, it's because when I do that, when I put myself out there, then what happens? All of a sudden, people know who you are. People suddenly at the lunch break are like, I had the same question as you. Now it's a conversation starter. And I thought that was so brilliant. And I, you'll find it funny because you'll think of me as being very outgoing. I am totally the person who goes and hides in the back of big events. I'm like, no, no just me in the corner. Don't mind me. I'm just taking my little notes here in the corner. (laughs) But that actually was really inspiring me to hear this one, Claire, talk Mm. about that and how for her that has created new relationships. So it's already got me thinking, okay, I'm going to sit by a microphone. And if I have a question, I'm going to jump up because that alone opens doors. Otherwise you're just one in the sea of a thousand people. But suddenly when you're one of the 10 people who got their question answered, now people have a conversation starter with you. Now you actually have more opportunity to connect. And so I love that. Mm, yes. Awesome. Okay. Something's coming to mind for me that I would love your take on. I was not planning on on talking about this, but as you're saying this and like getting in these rooms, I totally agree. There's this cynical part of me. And, and again, I know other people who have this opinion more so than I do, but that um, like coaching is like a pyramid scheme in and of itself, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm going to learn how to be a coach. And then the real money is in coaching the coaches and the real money is in being the business coach that like your grand coach, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's right, just, right, right, right. It's tough. So I wondered like just how you make sense of that and conceptualize that. I don't know. To me, like, I think so partly I think because I'll see those like troll comments in Facebook groups that will say like pyramid scheme. And I'm like, okay, so A, we have a basic misunderstanding (laughs) of what a pyramid scheme, like no coach is giving money to their downlines and their uplines. That doesn't exist in the coaching world. The reality of the coaching world, I think, is it is in its infancy. And so people are naturally curious, suspicious, questioning, 
of something in its infancy. I truly believe it will grow up much the way therapy grew up 100 years ago, you know, and that we became more and more codified in who was allowed to do what, who was certified to do what, what kind of education you needed to call yourself a therapist, all of those things. I believe that coaching will grow, and that'll be a good thing, through those same hurdles that we in mental health have gone through in the past. The reality though is the coaching space is still very much being defined. I cannot tell you how many million dollar plus life coaches I have been exposed to now who have nothing to do with business coaching. They are good dating coaching or relationship mm-hmm. coaching or you know single mom coaching or whatever, like the, every niche under the sun exists. But people have created amazing, amazing, completely flexible ways to help other people through this space that we call coaching. And of course, what we call coaching is huge. It could be one-on-one coaching. It could be groups. It could be online courses. The online course world is something like, I forget the number. I won't shout out a number because I know it's always changing, but multi, multi multi-billion, billion dollar world. It could be consulting where you're actually going in. We had a client who She developed a program that honestly, probably any therapist could develop of basic mindfulness skills for kids. She brought it into her local public schools. They bought it for $25,000. And every year they pay her that amount again to come and teach it to the new teachers that year. These are the kinds of -of out-of-the-box things that I look at and I'm like, every therapist should be doing this because we actually all have these skills. We devalue them. Mm -hmm. We don't believe that our skills are that worthy. We don't believe that we know much more than the average lay person. And we do. We have this tremendous, there's a funny thing in the therapist brain dichotomy where part of us says, I have so much education and let me just tell you everything I know. And then part of us says, I am not the top Harvard researcher. So I'm a piece of crap and I know nothing. Mm -hmm. And we go back and forth as therapists between these two splits. Like you'll see people jump up in a Facebook group and be like, I'm going to lecture you about everything on this topic because I know so much about it. And then two seconds later, they can just as easily in another conversation be like, I know nothing. I know nothing. This guy from, you know, Harvard that wrote this book is the only one that knows anything about this, you know? So we go back and forth and we devalue how much Mm -hmm. we actually know. So Yeah, I think the reality is selling business coaching is a trickier business than finding something you're passionate about, bringing the skills you already have in a very simple way to the marketplace and just saying, I want to help these people in this certain pain, either because I've been there or because I'm passionate about it or because I that's just what I feel called to do in my life. And being able to bring that forward in a simple, creative, flexible way that gives you a creative, flexible life is amazing. Mm hmm. Yeah. And like you said, there's so many different formats that it can take. So it can be anything from a lots of free stuff like podcasts and mini books like you have and just, I mean, everything under the sun that can be free, low cost, you know, self-paced programs all the way up to these, you know, five figure one-on-one packages. And so I appreciate that you also say that when it comes to those like high ticket one-on-one coaching packages, coaching is a luxury service. Let's just it call is. it what it is. Right. 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 Absolutely. And there, I talk about this a lot. I've had so many different workshops on this. Therapists like to get upset sometimes if you talk about providing a luxury service. Now, to be fair, most of the people that we work with, so I am the founder of the Clinic Coach Academy. We are the only certification 
exclusively for mental health therapists branching into coaching. Created by a therapist for therapists, we give you credit for everything you already know. Now, most people who choose to pursue our certification don't close up their therapy practices. The vast majority are still absolutely serving their therapy clients. They are adding coaching as an additional service. Now we have had some where coaching has really taken off. It has quickly eclipsed their therapy income and they have realized they feel even more called to the bigger impact that they're now able to have with coaching. And that really is an amazing part of it for me is that once your impact move beyond moves beyond like the five mile radius of your therapy office, you are suddenly in a whole different phase of your life because mm -hmm. you're suddenly actually impacting people in a much bigger way. And this is where more and more you'll see people and you'll see people, you're in the group, you'll see people come into the group and say like, oh my gosh, I suddenly feel like this is what I'm being called to do. Or I suddenly, we had a woman recently, what did she, how did she put it? She said, I feel like this is the work that I was wanting to like give birth to ever since grad school, but I just didn't know how to do it mm -hmm. within the boundaries of how therapy has to work. And I right. thought that was so beautiful because that to me is like the soul calling getting yeah. to come out. And there's nothing like predatory about it being in some ways luxury because we're specifically talking about serving people who are not having acute mental health symptoms, right? Exactly. Those people exactly. should go get therapy. Absolutely. And we as mental health providers, first and foremost, are the ones to make those referrals, are the ones to identify that need 100%. You know, and I'll, I say this sort of tongue in cheek, if there's anything we've learned from reality TV, it's that being well off doesn't stop you from having a whole bunch of problems in your life and goals. <laughs> that you need help with. <laughs> and so in a way, I do think when we look and say, oh, well, coaching is for quote unquote, rich people, whatever you deem as rich people. Okay, are they not allowed? to have emotional issues and needs and questions yeah. and problems. Are they not allowed to go through, you know, divorces and dating, like all the different things, but of course they are. And so if we judge people simply because they come in with some arbitrary amount of money that they're able to pay for coaching, we're being just as judgmental as if we're saying, you know, oh, you should only ever work for $10 at the low income clinic for the rest of your life. You know, neither one works, neither mm -hmm. one works. You have to have a balance. Yeah. So before we talk more about money, I just want to touch on like a couple of what I see as your superpowers are your work ethic and how you can speak to people like on your website, which will be linked in the show notes. You you're talking to therapists, but you're doing it in this like clever, sneaky way of like, don't tell your therapist that <laughs> right, right, uh, they can make right. a lot more money doing something. So, <laughs> right, right. So I just like really appreciate those things about you. And I'm sure that in some ways, like you've been carrying those things with you through your whole life in some iteration or the other. But I wonder like if you have any thoughts for anyone who is wanting to cultivate more of either of those superpowers. Well, that's interesting. I will say this for one thing. Thank you so much. Those are sweet and kind compliments and I deeply appreciate them. I did not feel like I had any of those powers mm. for many, many years. I was a successful therapist. I was a successful community mental health director. I taught grad school, like I supervised interns. I like did all the things that a successful therapist does. I, I don't know how to put it. I never even had the vision that there might be something beyond that. Mm -hmm. And I know you've heard my story that basically what happened for us is my kids were both diagnosed with special needs. 
my life changed quite a bit. I had to be, you know, the at-home parent for a period of a couple of years. Then we were moved to a different state with my husband's job. So suddenly I had to start over from the bottom again on relicensure, which is a whole another podcast <laughs> for another yes. day. But that was the boat I found myself in that forced me to need to get creative. But it was only the act of getting creative that started to show me, oh, I have some strengths. Oh, I have some other things that can help people besides like I knew I felt like a good therapist, you know, like I felt like, yes, I, I'm a good therapist, my clients get good results. I'm happy with my work as a therapist. I just didn't know that I really actually had other strengths beyond that as well. And that being able to take some of those things would help me. Well, what I feel like part of my mission is now if I can help all the therapists expand their mindset about what's possible for them because life kind of kicked me down this path. Now I'm like, I'm going to kick the rest of you down this path because it's actually pretty good over here. <laughs> you know, yep. if I can help you expand your mindset, guess what? All the clients are helped in the long run. I just recently came from giving a keynote speech at a therapist conference down in Costa Rica and this was a large, large part of my speech is like, you know, as a therapist, as you grow and change as a human being, you actually get better as a therapist. You have more life experience. You've been through more things. You can empathize more fully with your clients and what's going on with them. And it has nothing to do with what CEs you took that year. Mm -hmm. And it has nothing to do with anything that you read in a book. It has to do with you growing as a human being. I always think how, oh my gosh, I used to run an entire community mental health program where I was dealing with the parents of children who were in severe mental and emotional distress. I was doing all of that before I ever had children. And once I did have children, I was able to look back and be like, I would have been such a better therapist now because I get yeah. it now on such um, a deeper level, like what they were going through and the amount of stress they were under. And at the time, I could empathize with it, but I hadn't lived it. And so when, similarly, when you actually have the lived experience of up-leveling parts of your life, of taking risks that scare the crap out of you and living through them and becoming that bigger version of you who can do that, who did do that, by extension, you then help your clients to do the exact same thing. Mm. By extension, you can say, I have gone down this road and there is a better life on the other side and I'm going to help you get there. And I think very often you've seen the memes and they make me laugh, but it'll be like the super depressed therapist logging in to their <laughs> computer being like, I'm going to go help all my clients get happy and joyful, you know, right. and they're just coming from that place of like, oh, they're shrunken in and they're not living their full potential and they're not thrilled with their own lives. And, you know, and they're stressed about a million different things. And so I'm like, oh. If I could help therapists see that creative potential in them where they're living a bigger, bigger life, all that does is help all their clients forever in the long run. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, there's just unfortunately a lot of systems that are not set up well yes. to prioritize the employee's well-being, right? Like True. community mental health. And it sucks because people need those services. So it's like, yes. oh. Yes. Talk about like million dollar question is like, how do yes. we help those clinicians who maybe are for whatever period of their career, they're, you know, just in that um, mm -hmm. and, until they can get out of it. And when they get out of it, somebody else is there. So absolutely it's really tough. Yeah. The whole system is built on the backs of young green interns. Yep. 
and trying to keep them in these high burnout jobs as long as they can take it. And then they move out and they open a private practice somewhere. And it's a little bit better, but there's nobody's going home rich. Therapists are still the lowest paid of the highly educated professions. Mm-hmm. And so it's still, even when you're in that private practice, you know, people still have a lot of financial challenges. People still have that uneven income. People still are limited to who they can serve and how they can serve. There's still a lot of challenges, you know, gosh, don't even get us started on insurance and all the other challenges that come along with that, you know, but that's the reality of it. Yeah. Go off. So I would like to ask you to go off on your perspective of therapists being martyrs and keeping themselves small, having that kind of badge of honor. What do you want to say? Oh, interesting. We've sort of covered some of it already. Yeah. But I will say this. I will fully admit that I was one of these therapists. When I worked on the streets in Oakland, California, and in inner city Sacramento for many years, running programs, being an on the street social worker, I would literally lecture people like, this is the hardest job in the world, but nobody wants this job. And if you can do it, you have to do it. Like, it's your responsibility. You know, you need to take this on. And meanwhile, I mean, we, and maybe you've been in jobs like this too, like genuinely scary situations, mm-hmm. like actually being hurt and harmed by clients, clients bringing in drugs, clients bringing in guns, clients showing up really frighteningly high, you know, or in really acute psychotic episodes, like lots of scary stuff. And Not to say, like, obviously, I loved so many parts of that experience, because it just, oh, my gosh, it was such a learning experience. And, and in a way, you sort of love those clients so deeply, because they are so, so grateful for whatever little bit they can get, even if sometimes when you're working with teenagers, their gratitude doesn't look like gratitude, (laughs) (laughs) right? (laughs) But I loved all of that. I was that murder. And the truth is, it slowly spiraled me down and down and down because, and I didn't quite understand this at the time, when you're in it, you often don't understand it. You need something outside of you to kind of wake you up and kick you up out of it. But I slowly spiraled down and down because I wasn't using the rest of my potential. I wasn't seeing bigger and better possibilities. You know, I was looking at my little $36,000 therapist job thinking, I hope I get a 3% raise next year. And like, I was living in California, we were broke, you know, we were broke on that. But that was the reality. Like that was life. And that felt like the biggest and the best that I was going to get to as a therapist. And of course, you walk around and you justify it in your own head. You say, well, I never got into this field to get rich. That was never my intention. And, and we want to feel good about feeling bad in a way, if that makes sense. Like I am under all of this psychological stress from this job that I'm doing that's so hard and so intense, but it is, you know, whatever. It's my duty. It's my responsibility. At least that's how I felt about it. And that's how I sort of justified it to myself then. I wish a little fairy godmother had come along back then and been like, here's the thing, Katie, (laughs) you actually have a lot of creativity you're not using. You actually have a voice you're not really using. You actually have some life experience that might be helpful to some other people, but you're not using it in any way, shape, or form. And something had sort of kicked me out of that mindset and into the mindset of more possibility. That is what I wish had happened back then. And when I see like the trolls in therapist groups who kind of love to pick on people in the groups. All I think is there is some part of them inside just screaming out, wishing for something to kick them out of that mindset 
and kick them into their own bigger, better possible mindset. And it's very easy to get stuck and spin down that drain for a long time because you don't even realize you're in it. And I was there too. And I mean, I say that not in any way accusing others. I say it as I was absolutely there too. And I'm just so glad that I'm not now because now I look at all the clients that come in and I'm like, oh, you have so much potential. I mean, geez, when you came into the program, you made this amazing reel about joining the program. And I was like, oh, this one's going to take over the world. Like this one's amazing. (laughs) And so being able from my vantage point on the outside to see someone's potential is so exciting. And I love it. And I know that from the inside, you and all the other clients are like, no, not me. I can't do that. You know, we all have our imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. but from the outside, it's so cool to get to see. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, you being in that place in your career where you were kind of the martyr and just like, this is what I, you know, this is the work, right? This is what I'm totally put here to do. What I signed up for. Yeah. Yeah, Like that's the shadow side of the work ethic, right? And so to then be able to like flourish into that, it's like you can still work hard, but it it feels so different. It like feels more easy and joyful and even though you're still putting in the hours, you're learning, you're doing the hard work, but it, the feel of it is so different. Yeah. Yep. That's so true. And I love saying it that way is the shadow side of the work. I do think it's true and we can get stuck there because mm-hmm. we're human. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's, it is hard sometimes like as someone who, you know, values s- social justice activism yeah. and all of that, it's like, I know, and I I think a lot of people can understand that these things are not mutually exclusive. It's not like either you're, you have social justice values or you make, you know, more than the bare minimum income, but it's a really hard thing to grapple with. And especially like getting my master's in social work, I remember my social justice professor was basically Mm -hmm. like not shy about his opinion that social workers who went into clinical work were basically betraying the field. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then not to mention like, okay, getting into private practice is bad enough, but then to want even more, like, how dare I? How dare you? Right. It's that mindset. And I, it breaks my heart that it is that mindset because to me, I look at therapists and I look at these people who are so empathic, so intuitive, so educated, so caring. And to be stuck in a mindset where the, whatever the ether in the field is saying Mm -hmm. to them, oh, if you want to get above like your lowest level subsistence living, you're somehow a bad person. That is friggin' heartbreaking because how are they ever supposed to use their skills and their energy to its full power if that's what they're being hit with? And that's why I'm, I feel like I walk around shouting about this because I want to be a voice over those other voices saying, no, you can't make money and you can't leave social work and you can't do this and you can't do that. That really is heartbreaking. And you know, the thing about the social justice piece of it It's funny, this hit home for me a bit at the end of last year because we were sitting down with our tax person and we wanted to make charitable donations. And when the time came through that we had sat down and figured them all out, we were donating more last year to charity than I used to earn in a year (laughs) as a therapist. Yeah. So when I think about how much more impact I can have now by being able to give to the causes I believe in, by being able to support the things, the social justice causes that we believe in. When I think of that amount of impact compared to me scraping by on less money than that, just trying to buy groceries, that is a whole new level of impact. That opens impact beyond our wildest dreams. 
And that to me, I think when we stand, I God, I wish that we could just take all the wealth in the world and put it in the hands, not just of women, although of women yeah. is certainly a big cause of mine <laughs> as well, but oh my gosh, of like female helping professionals, mm-hmm. you think of the amount of good. I mean, you think of all the studies where they go into like poor villages in Africa and they give resources to the women and boom, the whole village yeah. flourishes every time. And I just think that is global. That's absolutely global. That's what could happen everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree. And especially like there's an organization called The Life You Can Save that's done a lot of the legwork of like, here are the the charities that are doing the most work, the, the making yes. the biggest impact with every single dollar. I'm like, please take my money. And they're, right. they're going to do way better than if I could like, you know, volunteering my time and burning myself out and so right. it's not always an either or, but it's just, there's so many more ways to make an impact and right. that's important. Right. So right. the last thing I'd like to talk a little bit about before we wrap up and, and tell people where to find you is I would love to know if there's anything in particular that you see really helping busy brained leaders and entrepreneurs, so whether like ADHD or as I say, squirrel brained to be more successful either when they're starting out or they're working toward their next big goal, asking for a friend. I, you know, it's funny. (laughs) I have one of these brains myself. My team will tell you that I'm regularly the person on Slack at 5 a.m. being like, oh my gosh, you guys, I was just thinking. (laughs) And I always feel bad. I'm like, I'm so sorry that you guys have to deal with me and my random like ideas five times a week in the middle of the night. But here we are. (laughs) What I always come back to, and this was so true for me, my very first year of this business, I still was, I had one child who had started kindergarten. I had another child who was in two different kind of special needs preschool programs on two opposite sides of two neighboring suburbs. And my only chunks of time to work were like an hour when he was in the one school in the morning, an hour in the other school in the afternoon. And I had a whole bunch of driving in between. I grew... (laughs) so quickly that year because my time was so limited. Mm -hmm. And then the next year when suddenly both kids were in school, everything slowed down because I had too much time for my brain to be left to its own devices. But in that first year, I remember my first ever business coach that I hired, she called it my nap time business. She was like, you're basically building a business when your kid is napping is like the equivalent of it. But because I would look and be like, I only have an hour. I've got to write some website copy and then I'd have to hop in the car and then I would get back. Oh, now I only have another. I got to write an email. I hop in the car. And that was my schedule that year. And it felt crazy in a way, but, but so good because then the next year I remember so well, that whole first like beginning of that school year when I was like, I have six hours, I'm going to get so much done. And on hour five, nothing would be done yet. And I'd be doing that panic last minute hour to get it all done. But it was just because I had too much time. And so I'm sure we've all heard of like the Pomodoro method, something where you are arbitrarily limiting your own time and telling yourself whatever condition this is in at the end of an hour is what's going out. And so I better either get it done, (laughs) just deal with it somehow. You know, I definitely do a lot of turning off notifications. Mm -hmm. We on our team will have times that we'll say, I'm going to do some deep work and we'll just turn off notifications for a couple hours, tell everybody to leave us alone, you know, and dive in that way. But, and as I've gotten busier, it's certainly much easier for me to stay busy all day now because there's an endless supply chain of things to do. But in the beginning, when you're first starting your business and you're the one that has to create 
all of the activity to do. No one's necessarily waiting on you for anything. You want to create a social post, you want to create an email or a website page, but it's not like anyone's standing there holding a timer waiting on you. You yep. really have to focus down and do those things for yourself and create that timer for yourself. And I honestly, I've really come to believe that that lack of time is a gift. It's like they always say, if you need something done, give it to the busiest person. Right. It's a gift for those of us who have the squirrel syndrome brains. It truly is. It's so hilarious that that's what you said, because I just had coaching earlier today. And that was essentially what we got to is like, I had oh, cleared funny. out so much of my calendar for like, I'm only going to see clients two days a week. And I'm going to have all this like wonderful, spacious time for working on the business. And it's yeah. honestly too much. It's and too much. The pressure becomes yeah. like, oh my God, I have all this time. I better do exactly the right things. And so completely, she, that was my homework is like, all right, I'm condensing it down. And also I loved this idea that th this phrasing she kind of gave to it was like, make them these like ranges of like, okay, three hours a week for founder time or whatever it is. And, yeah. but it has to be squishable because what happens when next week I'm only in the office a day and a half. I can't do right. three hours of that. And then two hours, of, it, like it has to be flexible with your actual life. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I love that. And I I just so empathize with that giving, thinking you'll give yourself all this time and it'll be the best thing in the world. And I just find over and over in my life, every time I think that it's not how I work. And no, you might have listeners. It is completely how my husband works. If my husband has like six hours, he is thrilled. That works perfectly for him. He likes to go at that slower pace and to do things in a more measured way. Like it's perfect for him. He loves it. It's not good for my mental health to have too much free time. I actually need more structure to be a happier person. <laughs> I yes. just do. I just do. And so I love that, that you're like recognizing that early on, like, Ooh, I gave myself a little too much here. Like, it's funny. The team always laughs at me because I'm always like, I'm going to start taking one or two Fridays a month as a CEO day where I'm just going to give myself all day Friday just to work on like founder tasks, like you said, and I never do it. <laughs> but I'm always like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to that CEO stuff. But I really actually am kind of excited about these other projects too. Yeah. So then I get off in the weeds on those. But it is, it's amazing how we always want to say everything will be great once I have more time. And it's not true. It's just a myth that we've sold ourselves. It's not true. Yeah. And it's Parkinson's law, right? The work will expand yes. to the amount of space you give yes. it. And if you, if it's like you said, for certain people, busy brain people, you give that too much space. It actually feels worse trying to do what you yes. could do in two hours and five than yes. if you just like really got in it in those two hours. Well, and you know what else I think happens for a lot of us, at least for me, my perfectionism gets triggered. Yeah. When I have too long, it better be perfect. Mm -hmm. But when I have a half an hour and then I'm hitting print or send, Get it then done. it's like, it is what it is. Move on. And you know what? My entire business was built on. It is what it is. Move on. I am an <laughs> imperfect suburban non-techie special needs mom. <laughs> like nothing's going to be perfect. We sent out an email just yesterday going, Hey everybody go to our new webinar. And guess what? The link didn't work. Like it yeah. is what it is. Move on. <laughs> you I know? love it. Yes. Yep. Oh my gosh. That reminds me of a, a thing a client said recently, someone who has really struggled to let go of control in so many different ways. And then she was about to have a ba her first baby. And she was mm, like, you know what? That'll do it. You can't do shit about shit. And I was like, <laughs> 
Exactly. That's right. That's been the last year of therapy. We have made it. <laughs> you graduated. Oh, yes. I love it. Yes. That's well, great. this has That's been awesome. so much fun. Yes. I love your program. I just am so excited love about what you. I'm building. Yes. yes. Tell people where they can find you. Yes, absolutely. So katyreed.com is my website and I have one of those names you can spell 52 different ways. So it is K-A-T-I-E. R-E-A-D, read like read a book. And we have free guides to get you launched as a coach or as if you want to build an online course, we have free guides for all of that. You'll see the freebie link at the top. Or if you're interested, if you're serious about branching into coaching and consulting, then you should go to the tab at the top that says outgrow your office. And we'll tell you all about the clinic coach six figure flagship program, which is our one big main program. We have different levels of support available within that program. As as you know, we have a whole amazing expert team within there. So it's like, to me, it's like mini grad school, but it's grad school for your business. So I love it. It's fun. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank this was you. great. Yep. This was awesome. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah, friend, you made it to the end. I so appreciate you tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode, make my day by subscribing and leaving a five-star review to help other people find this podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to grab my free video training on how to get shit done toward your high priority goals without getting distracted or stuck by ADHD or squirrel brain. Just head to badbitchtherapist.co slash three tips. That's .co slash the number three tips. You can follow my antics on TikTok at Bad Bitch Therapist and on Instagram at the same, but with dots between the words. Thanks so much for being here. Now go out there and have a great fucking day.